some praise. Hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise. Hallelujah. Even as we welcome those who are joining us virtually on this morning, we want to give God the glory, the honor, and the praise. May I pray with you, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity, Lord, to worship and serve you, Lord, just to bless your name, Lord, to lift you up. Lord, we thank you that you preserved our lives. Lord, we're here just one more day, and it's only because you touched us, Lord, because you lifted us up. Lord, we could be celebrating our, our life today. We could be, be eulogized on this morning. But Lord, you allowed us and saw fit to wake us up this morning. For that, Lord, we are grateful. We're thankful. Lord, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And Lord, that you even consider us. Lord, that you've thought enough of us to allow us to be here. And Lord, to be in our right minds, Lord. We understand that it, that it is in our purpose, Lord, in our design to be in your house and to worship you, to give you the glory, to give you the honor, to give you the praise, Lord. We recognize, Lord, that we are your vessels, Lord. We are a vessel, Lord, that is intended, created, and crafted in purpose. Lord, that we might honor you, that we might bless your name, that we may reflect the glory of your image, Lord. And even in reflecting your glory, Lord, you bless us. You give us other opportunities and chances, Lord. Lord, we made mistakes and errors, but Lord, we're yet here. Because your mercies are new every morning. And for that, Lord, we just say thank you. Lord, you didn't expect us to be perfect creations. But Lord, even though we mess up over and over again, your mercy is yet waiting for us. Lord, even like the prodigal son's father, Lord, your arms are wide open to us, waiting for us to return back to you. And for that, Lord, we just say thank you. Lord, keep extending your grace and your mercy towards us, Lord, because we need it. Lord, keep extending your love in our direction because nothing can separate us from your love. Lord, continue to strengthen and encourage us, Lord, that we might be the light that you're calling for, that we might be a blessing to somebody else, Lord. Continue to heal us, Lord. Continue to deliver us, Lord. Continue to bring us through our storms, our emotional storms, our spiritual storms, our physical storms. Lord, we're declaring healing right now, Lord. In every facet, Lord, let there be healing. Lord, healing from the virus, Lord. Healing from underlying conditions, Lord. Healing of mental diseases and defects. Healing from emotional disturbances, Lord. Healing from loneliness, Lord. Healing from pain, Lord. Healing from mourning, Lord. Healing from grieving, Lord. Lord, allow your healing, Lord, to saturate our place, to saturate this land, to saturate our world, Lord. Allow your healing to flow right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we'll give you the praise, Lord. We'll give you the glory, Lord. We'll give you the honor that you do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Come on and praise him. Hallelujah. For those who are present, you may be seated in the house of the Lord on this morning. We praise God for you and we thank God that you're with us just one more time. We're going to move quickly to the word of the Lord, but I just want to honor, amen, the first lady of this house. Amen. Lady Carissa Christman. Amen. She had a birthday on this past Friday and we thank God for her and appreciate her not only for being my wife, but for all the things that she does and how she's worked even through this pandemic. Amen. Some of you don't know because you weren't here, but a lot of a lot of times it was the musicians. It was myself and it was my family. And I be believe me, everybody in my family was working. 
That meant Joseph was back there mixing the sound. Justin was on the drums. Joseph was making sure that our visuals were correct. He was operating the cameras. And it was my wife who was listening and making sure everything sounded right, everything was mixed right. She was using cameras as well. As you know, we cameras are phones, so all of my family, they had to help. They had to pitch in. They had to be of assistance. Amen. And she's kind of been like a, an associate producer of sorts, if you will. <laughs> Amen. To make sure that everything went forth, that because people couldn't be present, getting the gospel out by video was our way of ministering and sharing with people. So I thank God for her and what she's meant to this house and has meant to us during this pandemic. I praise God and thank God for her. We're going quickly to the word of the Lord. I'm excited about our new series that we will be sharing. Our new series is called The Relationship Contract. The Relationship Contract. And just like God, God is able to fit some things in. And I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to get this series in because I have a special message for Pentecost, which will be May 23rd, the fourth Sunday in May. But I say, Lord, I want to get this series in and I really want to share it with your people. And I looked at the calendar and sure enough, we have four Sundays to Pentecost. So we're going to be sharing the next four Sundays relative to the relationship contract. And when you think of a relationship contract in law, when they talk about contracts, there are three basic elements to a contract. There is an offer, there is an acceptance, and there is consideration. And consideration just means something is exchanged, whether it be goods or whether it be services or whether it be money. And then, but prior to that, I felt it was important that we understand the terms. The terms are what you're talking about, what you're bargaining for, what you are contracting for. It's important to understand the terms. So today we're going to begin a new series called The Relationship contract. And today our subtopic will be agreement on the terms. Agreement on the terms. When God dropped this in my spirit, I felt it was relative and it was fair that he gave us a story that happened after his resurrection. He led me to John chapter 21 and we'll be looking at verses 15 through 17. Again, that's John chapter 21. And we'll be looking at verses 15 through 17. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, but again, that is John, St. John chapter 21. And we'll be looking only at verses 15 through 17. And the word of the Lord reads, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him, him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And the word of the Lord is blessed. Lord, open our hearts, minds, and spirits that we're touched by your word. Do not allow us to leave here the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. 
This particular story happening subsequent to Christ's resurrection fell right into me wanting to share it relative to our series and chronologically relative to time after Easter. This story in particular really embodies to me the importance of how we begin or how we commence real long lasting relationships. There are so many principles here that I'm just going to tell you, and I I feel that it is imperative that we do so, that the pastor, the, the minister, whoever is sharing, I don't just give you everything. I'm just not handing you something. Because sometimes when you hand somebody something, they just don't appreciate it. But when you have to work for it, something as parents we struggle with with our children, something that we're trying to teach and still trying to get them to learn. That when you just hand them something, at some point they don't appreciate it. It becomes expected that you just give them everything. But when you have to earn it, when you when I earned my first check, when I when I when I knew that I had worked hard for it, believe I earned my first check. I was for for those of you in the area, I was maybe 12 or 13 years old and I was folding up chairs at the horse show grounds. I was we were cleaning up the area. And then when I got my first check, it was something to behold. It's something that I had worked for money that I had earned based on my own effort and me doing my own work. Something special about having earned something. I'm telling you that because in this particular text and relative to this series is something that I want you to struggle with. I want you to struggle with it. It's 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 mindful of even in the in the area of education. They tell children they want the child to struggle with the text. They want them to struggle with the knowledge. They want to struggle in obtaining the knowledge. Because if there is no struggle, there is no real learning. So for us, I want you to struggle for both purposes. I want you to struggle because I want you to appreciate what you obtain. But I also want you to struggle so that you really learn and understand what Christ is trying to impute and say to us in this text. And the reason I want you to struggle with it is because each of you are going to garner something different out of it. God shared this with me relative to this particular series. I'm going to be talking to single people. I'm going to be talking to married people. I'm going to be talking to people who are divorced. And I'm going to be talking about those who are widows and widowers and those who want relationship, those who are in relationships and those who have been in relationships but don't want another one. Come in here with me now. (laughs) Because we have some people in there. That's all right. That's all right. We need to stop. This is a whole nother message, but I'm just going to breach this here. We need to stop this, this forcing of people to get married because everybody doesn't want to be married. And everybody doesn't need to be married. All right. We need to stop judging people's worth on whether or not they're married. That's a whole nother message. I don't have time for that this morning. But my point is that we're going to be talking to a diverse group of people in varying situations relative to relationships. And this will this will be good for relationships, whether we're talking about a man and a woman, we're talking about a relationship, a loving relationship, or we're talking about familial relationships. We're also going to be talking about friendly relationships. But one thing in the relationship contract that all of us need to have some agreement, they call it in law, the me- a meeting of the minds. That means that we're concentrating and focusing on the same idea or the same concept before we go into an agreement and how we should proceed and go forward. 
So here in this particular text, and in a contract, well, let me talk about a contract first. You must have offer acceptance and consideration. And today we're first going to talk about the terms. When we say terms, we're talking about what are you contracting for? What are you expecting in a relationship? You don't have to raise your hand. I'll put this on my because you all are looking at each other. But I'll put this on my people who are watching virtually. If you if this hits you, just put put that. Give me that raised hand emoji. Ever been in a relationship where you thought it was going one way and they thought it was going another. And as a result, it didn't work out. Didn't work out because you were desiring different things out of the relationship. What I would say to you relative to that is that you had a disagreement on the terms you did not when you said let's go together or let's be together what you meant by let's be together and what they meant by let's be together were not the same so as a result the relationship ended because unbeknownst to you there was disagreement upon the terms you didn't understand what those terms meant to both parties so therefore the relationship was not successful we're going to talk about the terms. I give you, for example, uh, maybe a humorous example. We have a, a wedding that's about to happen, and the people at, at, they want to use our, our church. And uh, I thought about it relative to this message. And uh, if I had, they came to the church, and I told them to meet me at Tillman Street, and then showed them our church on Tillman Street, they might be disappointed. Because when I say Bright Temple Church, well, that's technically our property. But they would have anticipated I was talking about a different place. So there would have been a misunderstanding on the terms. Many of you are familiar with this. Where are my, where are my Black Friday shoppers? You like your deals on Black Friday. Well, let me tell you how they trick you on Black Friday. What they do is they tell you they have a television, a 50-inch television for $150. And you're like, man, that sounds good. So you go to the store, but when you get there, they don't have a 50-inch television for $150. They have one for $500, but they didn't have one for $150. What happens is they're advertising one television, and then once they sell that television, all the rest of them are more expensive. So when you say, I want to buy a 50-inch television, they're like, sure, here's one for $500. But they don't have the one for 150 because the terms are different. You're not agreeing upon the same item. Car dealerships do the same thing. Yeah. You'll see this, oh, we got this new car for, for $16,995. And you're like, you're rolling up there looking for $16,995. If you look closely, I want you to look at the fine print next time. Next time under that deal, if they don't flash it too quick, there will be a little number under there. That number is the item number for that one particular car. So if you don't get there in time to get that one car, all the rest of the cars are more expensive. So, yes, you want to buy and yes, they want to sell. But there's disagreement on the terms because what you went there for is no longer available. That's what I'm talking about, having an understanding on the terms. So let's get back to where we are with Pete relative to what we're discussing in, in relationships. You say you love somebody, somebody else might say they love you. But then our real outstanding question for today is what does love mean? 
what does love mean? If I asked each of you, if I had an exit survey, each of you would give me a little varying definition of what love means. Because love means something different to different people. So if you don't have an understanding when entering a relationship, a, a, a loving relationship, if you don't have if you're not trying to become a couple and then you're saying I love you and they're saying they love you as well. You need to have an understanding of what do they mean by love? What does love mean? And that brings us back to our text here. We are discussing what many theologians call the restoration of Peter. Remember, this is subsequent to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, It's just actually a couple of scriptures after Jesus had come along the shore and Peter was out there on the boat and he said, I toiled all night and taken nothing. And Jesus tells him to throw the net on the other side of the right side of the boat and he brings in so many fish that he can't even hold them in and the boats began to sink. That has just happened subsequent to that. And when it says breakfast in our text, what they had done is simply eaten some of those fish around the fire. We know what had happened to Peter in terms of restoration. The reason Peter needed to be restored is because Peter had gotten a little bold. We talked about it a few Sundays ago. Gotten bold and said, Jesus, I'll never betray you. And Jesus said to him before, the cock shall not crow until you deny me three times. So Peter found himself denying Jesus. And as he denied him the third time, it says he heard the cock crowing. So Peter was trying to be, Peter needed to be restored. And many call this a restoration of Peter because just as Peter denied Jesus three times here, Jesus asks him, does he love him three times? He asked him, does he love him three times? Peter declares his love for Jesus three times, almost to counterbalance the fact that he had denied him three times. Just as Peter had been around the fire when he denied him, began cursing and saying, I don't know the man. Here we find Peter again by the fire talking to Jesus reaffirming, saying that I love you. And three times, not only does he declare his love for Jesus, but three times Jesus gives him a commission. He gives him a, he gives him a command. Then if you love me, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend to my sheep. He's restoring Peter to a place of discipleship, a place in, in, in God where he should be able to minister and where he will be able to share, where he will have confidence that Christ is with him. So many, many reflect upon this as a restoration of Peter. Now, one of the things that that said here, though, were they talking about the same thing? Theologians struggle with this. And as I said, I want you to struggle with it because you'll get more understanding out of this. One of the things they struggle with is if you look in the text, we're looking at verse 15. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? These, these, the pronoun, these. What is Jesus referring to when he said these? What is he talking about? On a low level, is he talking about the fish? Is he talking about breakfast? Is he talking about more, more over, overarching the idea of being a fisherman? Do you love me more than being a fisher? Do you love me more than your occupation? Maybe a little deeper than that. Do you love me more than these other disciples in terms of do you love me more than you love them? Then another level is, well, do you love me more than they love me? There's very, very, very elements is some gray area here as to what Jesus actually meant. We struggle with this. We're trying to get an understanding as to what Jesus is referring to when he says, do you love me more than these? 
In a relationship, there are terms also that you want to understand because some people have varying ideas and concepts of what it means to be in a relationship. One of the primary tenets of a relationship is faithfulness. And some people's idea of faithfulness is different than yours. I I know I have some witnesses. You don't have to raise your hand from experience, but I I know I have some witnesses out there who've been in a relationship with somebody and what they called faithful and what you called faithful were not the same thing. Some people, what does faithful mean to them? You might want to ask this. We want to set some ground rules. Uh, For those of you who I'm unfamiliar because it's before after my time. But some of you who are into the digital dating, you're doing you're on these e-sites where you're trying to get matched and match.com and all these other sites. They try to set some ground rules by determining what these terms mean to you. They ask you, what are you looking for? What are you wanting out of a relationship? And then they ask you your interest in many other things. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to establish the terms so that when they match you with somebody, you think the same thing about what faithfulness means, that you think the same thing about what love means. You think the same thing about what a committed relationship means. They're trying to match you with somebody who has a similar concept of what the terms of a relationship might be. And that's all that we're talking about today is trying to make sure that we have agreement upon the terms. Some people think faithfulness is anything short of a sexual relationship with somebody else. Let's talk. Can we talk? That, that's some people's idea of faithful. Well, I, I, I didn't, I'm not having sex with anybody else. So that's faithful. I'm not getting much help here, but you, you, know, you know that's how some people conceive faithfulness. So I, I might like other people, I might kiss other people, but as long as I don't have a sexual relationship with them, then I'm being faithful to you. I, I'm, I'm being, can, I be, can we be real on this? So if that's their concept of what faithful means and your concept of faithfulness means something different, then that means you have disagreement on the terms. Your understanding of faithful and their understanding of faithful are not the same thing. So before you get in a committed relationship with somebody, you better have a little understanding as to what their terms mean. What does a committed relationship mean to you? What does being faithful mean to you? He asked Jesus, asked them relative to and relative to that. How faithful are you to God? How faithful are you to God? We laughed at that definition I just gave of faithfulness is anything short of having a sexual relationship with someone else. Then relative to that, how faithful are we to God? Because we come to church, are we faithful? Because we have a Bible, are we faithful? Because we wear Christian T-shirts. Are we faithful? Because we tell other people we're a Christian, does that make us faithful? What, what does faithful mean to you? I can tell you what it means to God. It says, submit your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. You shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy might. He wants all of that. That is his definition of what faithful means. So to be in a relationship with God, you have to match the terms that he has set forth. Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord, do not the things that I say. 
Jesus said, I've called you friend, but my friends are those who listen and are obedient to my word. He said, my sheep hear my voice and another shepherd they will not heed, they will not listen to, they will not go astray from my voice. God has given us the terms of the relationship and what it means to be faithful. So I ask you again, does your definition of faithful match God's definition of faithful? Does your definition of faithful to God, does it match up with God's definition of being faithful? To be in a committed relationship, you have to have some understanding of the terms. Not only that, secondly, I told you what we talked about first, love more than these. What does that mean? But secondly, I want to talk about what does love mean? What do we mean by love? Love in the contractual relationship, there has to be a meeting of the minds relative to the terms. There has to be an agreement on what these terms mean. In verse 16 of our text, it says, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. In English, there sounds like a lot of redundancy here. Sounds like a lot of redundancy. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Do you do you love Simon, son of John, Simon Barjona? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You are God. You know that I love you. Sounds a lot like a lot of redundancy relative to this. But you have to understand this in the original languages. Now, we're dealing with Aramaic. They were likely speaking Aramaic and then it was translated into the Greek. When you see a translation in the Greek of the terms here, they're using two different words for love. Peter and Jesus are using two different words for love. And although the English language, we have so many words that we do not need. When it comes to love, we only use one word. And there that's where it can be the source of many disagreements and misunderstanding is because what love means to somebody else can mean this something different to you because love is more on a scale. Love is more like on a spectrum. And if you're not in the same place on the spectrum, you're not even talking about the same thing. Not talking about the same thing. We talking about you love me. Do you love me like you love chocolate? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean you love me? You love me like you love like you love your television show? What do you mean by you love me? Do you love me like you love to eat? Do you love me like you love your dog? Do you love me like you love your mama? What do you mean when you say you love me? There needs to be some agreement on what that term means to each person if you're trying to get in a relationship so that there can be a connection. So Jesus is saying when he's saying to Peter, he says, Peter, in the Greek, Peter, do you agapeo love me? Peter says, Lord, I phileo love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Second time, Jesus says, Peter, do you agapeo love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I phileo love you. Jesus says, tend to my sheep. Final version, Jesus says, changes. Jesus says, Peter, do you phileo love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you're Lord Lord of all. Well, he doesn't really say yes. He says, Lord, you're Lord of all things. You know all things. You should know I phileo love you. There's a meeting of the minds. And then Jesus says, then feed my sheep. 
There's separation between the agapeo and the phileo. We, many of us are familiar with the different types of love, but let's just discuss them for a moment. So there is actual disagreement here, not in the English, but there's a disagreement in the terms on the Greek. Now, the meaningfulness and depth of that is debated by theologians, but there is no doubt that the, the words used in the Greek were agapeo and phileo, which are different. In Greek, let's discuss four types of love. Let's just discuss four. There is storge. It's an empathy. It's a familiarity. It's like a family based love. It's love because you're my family. It's love because we are connected. It's a familiar type of love that you have for family members. It may even extend to those to people you work with. It's like we're in the same situation. So we have this storge type of love. We are connected and because we are connected, therefore, I love you because we are connected. It's like a mother and a child. That's how that begins. That storge type of love. It's a familial based relationship type of love. It may even extend further down to, like we said, about chocolate. You're familiar with chocolate, so therefore, I love chocolate. But when we talk about it more relative to relationships, now, you love your child, and I, I'm going to talk to parents for a minute. You love your child. That is a special type of love that you have for your child. Because, see, this storge type of love does not have qualifications other than the relationship. There's no other qualifications other than the relationship. Meaning, I love my child. I think my child is beautiful. Even if you don't think my child is as beautiful as I do. Come on now. Somebody ever showed you a baby and they say, oh, is she cute? Y'all laughing. You know where I'm going. You know, you, this is what you say. Boy, she, boy, she, 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 that is a baby right there. <laughs> Look just she she looked just like a baby. She looking looking like she looking. See that, that there's a difference in how you feel about that child and how that mother feels about that child. That storge, that connected type of love. It, it, it's special. It doesn't require anything else. In fact, that child can do everything for the rest of their life. For the other types of love that would disqualify them. But because of that relationship and that bond, that mother is still going to love that child. Because of the bond, the emotional bond, that familial bond that stays there. They love that child. That child can literally do everything wrong. And that mother is going to love that child. It's going to love that child. Because that's the type of love that it has. It doesn't have you. That child does not have to earn your love. You, you mothers brag on their child, children. Oh, my, my child is this smart. And, and my child went to school and my child did this. And my child has that kind of job. My, my child is just so talented. We, we think our kids are geniuses. You know, all of those things. But even if none of those things are true, the mother still loves the child. Because of the relational the emotional bond that she has for that. That's that storge type of love. That's a different type of love, you know, and let me talk to you for a minute. Because sometimes in relationships, we try to compare 
how the person in your relationship loves you compared to how they love their parent or how they love their mama or how that mama loves that child. Let me tell you something. Women, you might be married to the husband, but at some point there may be a time that you will separate yourself from that husband. If he doesn't act right, if he doesn't take care of his responsibilities, if he doesn't treat you like he should, if he doesn't take care of his family, Yes, you love him, but there may be a point where you feel it's more healthy emotionally for you to separate from that child, from that husband. There may be a time where that comes, but you know what? His mama's still going to love him because that, that's, that's her child. That's her baby. So, so don't try to compare how you love him with how she loves him because that's a different type of love. And to put the inverse, the inverse is also true. Understand, he knows that even at his point where he's most disappointed, even where he's disappointed you and himself, you know what he knows? His mama's still going to love him. I want you to understand that. Because I, I, I don't want you to feel that there is unnecessary conflict because there are different types of love. He's in jail and he's disappointed your family and he can't provide the needs of your family. And you're you're thinking about I need to make other decisions that may not involve him. I might need to separate myself from him. His mama going to be knocking on the jailhouse door going to visit him. Storage, because it's an emotional familial bond. She still loves him irrespective of how he behaves. Because that bond is there. So don't get jealous of those relationships just because you love them differently. I'm trying to get somebody some understanding. I want you to get understanding. Do you love me like you love your mama? No, I hope not. Can we talk? <laughs> I'm telling you, we need to struggle here. I'm talking to different people in different parts of this whole struggle. I'm not just talking about couples. Do you love me like you love your mama? No, I hope you don't. That's a different type of love. That's why, like I said, in in English, we're limited by using just one word. I storge, my mom storge loves me because we're bonded and connected. There's an emotional bond that will not be broken. It's a familiar relationship that will remain regardless of how disappointing I am to you. But now you love me in a different way, but there may be some performance bases on how you love me. You love me, but there are some expectations that you expect me to maintain relative to that love. Come on, come on here. Let's just be real. I I expect you to do certain things. Okay, let me go right here. Storge, she loves him as much as she did before if he cheats on you. Come on. But now your love is different. Your love has changed based on performance, based on what he did. So if he does not meet a certain set of standards relative to your relationship, how you feel about him is going to change. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just telling you, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's less. I'm not saying it's better. I'm saying it's different. And it's important to understand the differences. So you don't have to be mad at her. She don't have to be mad at you. You both love him. You just love him differently. She loves him. Storge loves him. You love him more Eros or 
you love him more filial love. We'll talk about that. We talked about storage, but let's then move to philia. That's what Peter was saying. Every time that Peter used the word love in the Greek, he was using the word phileo. Phileo means a friendly type of love. When you think of phileo, it's strong, though. It's more than what we call friends. We're not talking about Facebook friend love. Come on. <laughs> Come on. What are we talking about? You, you Facebook friends, you don't have their number. You don't know their birthdays. You don't know anything about each other. You don't know where they live. You don't know anything about their lives. You Facebook. We're not talking about that type of love. We're talking about David and Jonathan type of love. We're talking about you love them. That's your brother. That's your sister for real. I'm talking about we, we shared it one time. We're not talking about radio love. We're talking about windshield wiper love. See, radio love sounds good. It puts a good groove, gives you a good vibe. But, you know, the radio will go out in, the, in, in certain circumstances. Get too far away from the tower, you're not going to have a signal. And you might, in a time when you need them, the radio friend might not be there. But windshield wiper friends, you don't always see them. They're not always visible. You don't always need them. But when the times are worst and you need them to come through, that's when they're there. Now that, that, that's what I'm talking about. That type of friendship where, you know, right now, if they came and arrested you, you know the folks that will come get you out of jail and won't, pr- and won't put your business on Facebook either. Come on. Now. I'm talking about those. Friends. And, and if we're honest, we don't have a lot of friends like that. You don't have a lot of. And, and if you think you do, let me go ahead and let you know you don't. You don't. You think you do. I told you, trouble to tell you who your enemies are. Success to tell you who. Wait, success. Wait, no. Failure will tell you who your friends are. Success will tell you who your enemies are. You keep winning long enough, you'll find out you had enemies you didn't know about. But if you fail long enough, it'll whittle down who you call friends. It's just a matter of how far you get towards the bottom. There are some people who will stick around with you just to see because you're interested. That's a whole other mess. I don't have time for all of that. They just they just like to see you're failing. They're not really there for you. They just it's just interesting that you're failing. Girl, did, did that happen to you? Did he really leave you? They're there around for the information. Girl, why 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 did he leave you? Just just note the questions that they ask. Why why did he leave you? See, real friends they don't have to know all the information. They'll help you whether you give it all or not. I'm talking about real friends. Now, you'll share it with them because they're a real friend. They don't have to ask you. They're going to help you anyway. But notice those people who are just around, just, just for interest, they, they got a lot of questions. Ever been there? They asked you a question. Ever, somebody, somebody ever asked you a question you felt unfamiliar? And because you're Christian, you didn't say it. But what you wanted to say was, you don't even know me like that. I don't know you like that. You feel like a line was crossed. <laughs> Come on here with me now. But but I'm talking about that filial type of love. I'm talking about that brotherly, you know, that we, we say in my generation, that ride or die type of love. I, I love them. I'll lay down. I'll give them the clothes off my back type of love. I'll give them my last dollar type of love. I'll go pick them up from jail type of love. If they're homeless, I might, I might have to take them into my house type of love. Y'all not, y'all not going to hear me in here. 
I'm talking about that filial. I, I literally, I, Jesus put it this way. He says, what greater love had no man than to lay down his life for his friends. His friends. That is a strong type of love. Because there's a lot of people you love as a friend, but you ain't going to die for them. Oh, we got some deep pokes in here. <laughs> I thought I had more amens right there. They, you love them. But you, you're not going to die for them. Come on, let's be, some, of y'all, y'all, some of y'all won't leave your house if it's raining for them. Girl, I would. I would come get you. You become meteorologist. But I sense a high humidity in the air. And a strong chance of strong storms and precipitation. So I'm going to have to stay at the house. <laughs> you won't leave a house. If you won't leave your house because it's storming, that you, we're not talking about that when we say filial love. We're talking about a strong, connected love. Notice, this is a connection that is not based on relationship. It's not based on relationship. That's why. If we understand, see, we, in English, we don't have these determinations, but these distinguishments. But if you understand, there are some people who are not related to you who love you more than your family. Come on now. They'll do more for you than your family because their relationship is not based on the fact that they're related to you. There's some people, y'all do stuff for people who are related to you. If they weren't related to you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do anything for them. Come on now. You know that person that comes to the barbecue with, with to-go plates and didn't bring nothing? <laughs> Come on now. You know the cousin that behind their back, you call them crazy, but, you, but that's my family, so you don't tell every, you, you just tell other family people he's crazy. You don't tell other folks that aren't related they're crazy. Come on, can we we be real? It's because you're related. There's that that bond that's based on that relationship. But then there are people you can really count on. There are people who you love and that you'll do almost anything for. That filial type of love, you'll lay down your life for them. You'll put that, you'll give them the last that you have. That, that, That Jonathan, I'm talking about that Jonathan type of love. Where my daddy is trying to kill my best friend. But I'm going to risk my own life to make sure that he doesn't. He's out here throwing smoke signals and shooting arrows to make sure that David gets away while his father is trying to kill David. His dad, his dad gets so mad at him. He's like, hold on now. Uh, 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 excuse me. I'm your daddy. Why, 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 are you, why are you helping this usurper that's trying to take over the kingdom? It's like, Jonathan, I don't think you understand, son. If I can get rid of him, then maybe you can be king. I, I, I really need you to get this right here. Because in the way of how things were to go forward, Saul should have passed the kingdom to Jonathan. Now, God had already rejected his lineage because of Saul's disobedience. You remember how Saul was disobedient, offering false fire when he should not have. Then he didn't kill all the kings, Agag, and then he, should, he took the good stuff, but only destroyed the bad stuff. And then Samuel says to him, does God have as great, uh, as great honor for sacrifice that he does for obedience. He said obedience is better than sacrifice. So he had rejected, he had rejected Saul and his lineage. So then in rejecting his lineage, that means specifically the first person being rejected is Jonathan. So Saul is like, if I kill David, Jonathan, maybe you can step up and be king. 
But Jonathan rejected that because he had such a strong love for David. Look, get this, because you you ain't going to find me like this. Jonathan loved David more than he loved the idea of becoming king. That's that's strong. That's that's strong. Because a lot of you, you're not going to give up a promotion because you love one of your friends. Because you like to be important. That crown will look good on me. You're already trying to find shoes and match your robe. <laughs> Jonathan said, I love David more than I love the concept of the idea of being king. That was that strong filial type of love. So I, I'm telling you that it was strong and it was not performance based. I'm saying that because I want you to understand that when Peter is responding to the Lord, even when Jesus is saying, I agapeo love you. Peter is saying, I phileo love you. But that is a strong Jonathan for David. I'd rather be your friend than be king type of love. It was still a very strong type of love that he was responding to God with. Responding to that, uh, Jesus was saying, I, I got payo love you. Jesus, uh, P- Peter was responding, I phileo love you. Now we talk about eros. It's a romantic type of love. Almost being in love with the sensation or the emotion or the feeling of love. And some people, and I need to talk to you. I'm going to take my time here. Some of you are more in love. With the feeling you had when you were with that person than you actually were with the person. Let me say that, and I want you to get it this time. You're more in love with the feeling that you had when you were with that person than you actually were with the person. And I want you to to relate it to this. Nobody loves cocaine. They love how cocaine makes them feel. So what they're chasing, uh, cocaine is just a consequence of what they're chasing. They're not chasing the powder. They're chasing the feeling. And some of you are living in the past trying to seek after an old relationship or an old person. Not really because you want that person, but because you're chasing that feeling. And if you understand that, then you understand why men and women go back to abusive relationships. If you get that, you understand that. Because no, they don't want to be hit. No, they do not want to be smacked. No, they do not want to be emotionally abused. But they want the arrows love feeling that they got from being with that person. They're not chasing the person. They're chasing the feeling. So arrows is like being in love with being in love. And remember, it's not money that is the root of all evil. It is the love, the pursuit, the chasing of money. That is the pursuit. That is the root of all evil. And that's how arrows can trap you. Eros can trap you because it's in a, it's, you're chasing a feeling. And you know what? Once you get the feeling, then you're trying to chase that feeling again. Come on now. Because when you have in the, in the context of having a physical relationship, 
There is a high that you experience from the physical relationship. So then you keep chasing that feeling. There are people who are out there that they don't realize that they're surrendering their bodies, not because they want that person, but because they want that feeling. So they're in love with that feeling. They're in love with the feeling. There are, there are people because it, it, I want I, I related it to cocaine. I related it to drugs because I want you to understand it's just as devastating. When you chase a feeling. When you chase a high. Because you're in love with an emotion, you're in love with a feeling. And let me give you this. Sometimes as Christians. Hmm. Let me say this carefully. We're less in love with God. Hmm. Then we are with a feeling we had when we got in church one time. I want you to get that. Because often because we are emotional and, and, and we shout and we dance and our services can be high. We need to make sure that in our love, we love our relationship with God and we are not chasing a feeling. Hmm. Just like the person who's chasing the feeling of sexual gratification, they go from bed to bed to bed. There are people who got a feeling in a certain church. And because they're chasing that feeling, they'll go from church to church to church to ministry to ministry to ministry. Because they're not trying to restore. They're not in love with God. They're in love with a feeling. Let's make sure in, in, in when we are serving God that we're serving him out of the depth of our relationship with God and that we're not chasing a feeling. And I'm trying to help somebody, somebody because this, that's the addiction train. The addiction train is you chasing a feeling. And somebody right now, you're on the road to addiction. Somebody in this place, somebody who's watching us virtually. I want to tell you right now, stop chasing the feeling. Stop chasing the feeling. God is more than an emotion. God is more than a feeling. God is more than eros. That's not the type of love that God wants you to have for him. God is a real type of love. And when we move to that, we're talking about agape. The love God has for us that we do not earn. It is not. A, it is an unconditional love. It's a selfless love. And you're like, well, unconditional. Isn't that like store J, like the mom who loves her son unconditionally? No. That's conditional. The condition is he's her son. That's a condition. So it's, un it's not unconditional. It's conditional upon the fact that there's a relationship. So, so, so agape, when it says an unconditional type of love, that means unrelative. It doesn't matter how you treat me. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you're from. doesn't matter what you do. That's the type of selfless love that God has for us. And that's the love that he desires for us to aspire to. And I say aspire because we're trying. We're trying to love unconditionally. Don't act like you've already gotten there. We're, we're working on it. We're working on it. I'm working on it. all of us. We're working on it. It's difficult for us because it is contrary to our being and contrary to our flesh to love unconditionally. Because our love ordinarily has conditions. Come on now. You remember the movie? They said love should have brought you home last night. 
What that means is love. Yeah, I love you. But there are some conditions. Love should have had you in before midnight. Come on, come on now. There's, there's, there's somebody said you need to be in by eight, but, but there's conditions on my love. Come on now. Especially when we're talking about romantic love. When romantic love, there's conditions on my love. That means there are things you do for me you don't do for other people now. Come on, come on with me now. Because I, don't don't be call, who you who you calling baby? You call me baby. That's that's conditions. Who you buying gifts for? You don't buy gifts for them. There's there's conditions on our love. What time you get in last night? There's 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 some conditions on this romantic type of love. But but agape blows past all of that and saying unconditionally, it means when I the, the songwriter said when I was sinking deep in sin, when I was undesired and nobody wanted me, I was far from the shore. I was way off in my own land. That means I wasn't close to being obedient. I wasn't close to following God. Far from the shore, very deeply. That means I I had done so much. That I did not feel worthy of anybody's help. I did not feel worthy of anybody's assistance. But it says, well, I was very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. In other words, there were people who gave up on me. That means I was a lost cause. I was a lost case. There was no need of you expending any resources to save me. There was no use of you spending any time to get me because I was a lost cause. I was about to go under. It says, but then the master of the sea, when I was at my lowest point, when I was all by myself, when I was as disobedient as I could be, when I was stained with sin, when I was sinking and I wasn't about to come back up. That's when Jesus, the master of the sea, he heard my cry from the waters. He lifted me. He picked me up. So now safe in my wife because it was agapeo. It wasn't phileo, it wasn't eros, it wasn't phileo, agapeo, love, that unconditional love that blew past the fact that I was about to say, blew past the fact that people thought I couldn't be restored. They didn't care about how I looked. They didn't care about how sinful I was. They didn't care about how my past looked. They didn't care about... The fact that even being connected to me, that's what I love about Jesus. Some folks were so, that are so stained, they don't want to approach you because they don't think you want to fool with them. Because they think that if you're connected to them, that that might bring you down. We know Jesus didn't care about that. Remember, the woman who was washing his feet, they said, if you knew who was washing your feet, you would tell her not to touch. They brought the woman who was caught in adultery. And Jesus was on the ground and he kept on writing. Because I'm not worried about who these people who are accusing him. And he said, he's without sin. Throw the first stone. They all left. And then it was just him and the woman. And then he said to the woman, he said, You're, is there no one left to accuse you? And then he said, well, neither will I. Go and sin no more. Jesus didn't care who he was associated with. I got pal. That's the way that I love you. So that's what he's offering to Peter. Peter. Do you agape love me? Peter's saying, Lord, I phileo love you. 
Jesus said, feed my lambs. He's asking Peter again, Peter, do you agape love me? Peter, Peter said, Lord, I phileo love you. He said, tend to my sheep. Greater responsibility. Don't just feed them. Watch after them. Make sure you care for them. Make sure they're not consumed. Make sure nobody attacks them. Make sure they don't fall in the hole. If they get injured, I need you to heal them. I need you to help them. Tend to my sheep. And then he says again, Jesus says, finally, Peter, do you phileo? Love me. That's where Peter was. When Peter said, Lord, he didn't say yes. He said, Lord, you know all things. And because you know all things, you know I phileo love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. What Jesus did for Peter that day, what I believe he did, is he met Peter where he was. He met Peter where he was. And it's emotional for me because I know that's what God did for me. I know that's what God. He did it for me and he did it for all of us. He said, Larry, do you agape love me? And I said, Lord, I'm not there yet. I don't know how. Lord, I'm trying. I want to agape love you, but right now. Lord, what I have is phileo. That's all I got. That's what I can offer. Even doing my very best, Lord, I know that I can't reach your standard. He's saying, I'm saying, Lord, in our relationship contract, in understanding the terms, Lord, I want to agapeo love you, and I'm striving for that. But I'm not there yet. In being honest, my phileo love is the best that I can do, Lord. And I believe that's what he did for Peter. Peter said, I'm trying my best, Lord, and I'm going to give you all that I have. But all that I have right now does not reach the level of agape. But it is phileo. And Jesus said, well, Peter, until you can come to where I am, I'll meet you right here. I will accept how you love me. And guess what? I will help you. Isn't that how God is? I will. I will. I will help you. And I want to give you this example and I'm finished because I want you to understand. Now, in our relationships, we can't always do that. I even I, I even discourage in the romantic type of love. You can't do that. If they can't love you the way that you love them. We're not talking about God rescuing you. You can't always, you can't rescue people. Come, come in here with me now. If, if, if do you love me? This is what I, I want to say, and I'm going to cut this short. Do you love me? Do you hold a baby love me? Or do you change the diapers love me? Come on, there's a different level of commitment there. A lot of people will hold your baby. But they'll be like, you know, you know that face. They'll be like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. And they start extending that baby back to you. There's been, a, there's been an error there. I need you to take care of this paperwork. 
And then I'll hold your baby again after you change them. Do you love me? Do you go to the movies love me? Or do you get a job and pay the bills love me? How, how, how do you love me? Because I need to understand if we're talking about the same thing. What did Beyonce say? If you love me, you ought to put a ring on it. She, we laugh. But what she's saying is what my love means is this. Does your love mean the same thing? It's a fair. It's actually a fair question. I'm trying to make sure we're talking about the same terms when we talk about love. And in your relationships, I praise God that he meets us where we are. But in your relationships, make sure you're talking about the same thing. Make sure there's a meeting of the minds. Don't waste your time and waste their time. You don't have to raise your hand. I, I, I'm going to call on my virtual people again. There's been a, you've ever been in a relationship where you felt like it wasted your time? Just give me that raised hand emoji. <laughs> it was just a waste of your time. It's a waste of your time. You know why? It went back to the terms. Because what you meant by love, that's not what they meant. What you meant by committed relationship, that's not what they meant. What you meant by being faithful, that's not what they meant. You didn't have agreement on the terms. Final thing I'm giving you here is that Jesus, it was fair for him to ask Peter, did he love him? And everyone in the sanctuary, stand to your feet. It was fair for Jesus to ask Peter, did he love him? Not only because he had denied him, but you know what else Peter did? Remember when Jesus shared his purpose with the disciples? He, he said that the I shall be taken and I shall be offered. And Peter said, Lord, that shall not happen to you. Don't speak like that. And Jesus had to rebuke him and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus rebuked him. You know why? Because Jesus needed Peter to understand. And this is why he's asking him to love you. That was Peter was in love with the Jesus that walked around and did miracles. He was in love with the living Savior. But was he in love with the resurrected Savior? So Peter, so Jesus had to address him on the other side of his death, burial and resurrection. Peter, do you like? This version of me. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody because somebody's in a transition in your relationship and you're about to shift. You're about to change. You need to find out, does that person love all versions of you? They might love the version of you that goes out on dates, but goes home every night. Do they love the version where you wake up and spend every moment together? Do they love the, the husband or wife version of you? They love it when you can go out and have fun. Do they love the mother version of you? The version of you as a mother. Do they love the version of you as a father? When you occupy a different role, when there is another version of you that comes forward, will they be able to love you the same? So, yes, on one side, Jesus knew Peter loved the living, walking on earth Savior. But Peter, do you love 
the resurrected Savior that has to leave you and go back to his father. Whatever relationship you find yourself in, you need to pray. You need to pray and you need to pray some more. But make sure before you even start that you understand the terms of that relationship. Can you put those hands together and give God some praise for his word on this morning? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this text that we struggled with on this morning. Trying to understand what you mean by love me more than those. To understand what you mean by love, phileo, Lord, agapeo love. Lord, even understanding that there is different versions of you. There was the living, walking Savior before your death, burial, and resurrection. And Lord... There's the resurrected Savior, Lord, that we know today that had to leave this earth and left us with a comforter. Lord, help us in our relationships. Lord, guide us and lead us in your way. Lord, allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That we might follow you even as we take people with us along the way. And we pray your wisdom in Christ's name we pray. Lord, there may be someone today who realizes that my life is not right with God, that if Christ were to return, I could not go back with him. Why don't you lift your hands and pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord, I am a sinner. I have come short of your glory. And I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for all of my sin. Please forgive me. Lord, I believe that you were crucified that you died and were buried but rose again with all power in your hand and today I claim you as my savior and my lord Jesus come into my heart and I'll make you my savior and my lord come on put those hands together and give God some praise for his word If you say that prayer by faith, if you say it with commitment, then you are saved today. For those who are watching us virtually, we implore you to get connected with the church, get connected with the body of believers. You can get connected with us virtually by texting Bright Temple to 66866. Again, text Bright Temple, one word all together, to 66866 and become connected to us in our community. We pray that you've been blessed by what you heard on today and may God be with you until we shall see you again. Come on, put those. pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line and in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.